Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com, and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I was diagnosed with breast cancer two months after our wedding. Oh. And then my husband was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer a month after that. Oh so we spent gosh. our first year of marriage, both of us on chemo together. And that was some shit, especially because I was already at an age where like we knew we wanted kids and it was like shit or get off the pot. I didn't have years to wait to have children. And so I think the hard thing for me wasn't that I thought I was gonna die or that I was pissed that I had to lose my hair or that I had to put my career on hold right at, you know, right as like my ship was starting to come in and I was getting job yeah. offers. It wasn't that, it was, you know, I thought I did everything right. You know, I didn't marry the first, you know, stupid fuck that came along. I waited until I found like, my guy. Hi, how are you? I'm great. You doing okay? Uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a mess this morning. My dog is snuggling <laughs> with me and she's kind of like Benadryl in um, the form of a stuffed animal. So uh, <laughs> she had me literally in bed snuggling until like 9:45, and I was finally like you have to get up I have to at least brush my teeth so I'm like kind of a mess all over the place but I figure you know what we're in the middle of quarantine and everybody looks like crap these days so whatever <laughs> I, exactly look at me this is me every day like I mean come on I just threw a t-shirt on and and let's do this I, I, I was with I was with my dogs too so no worries perfect yeah I'm not even wearing pants and that's the beauty <laughs> of quarantine I'm literally sitting here. I was like, I grabbed it out of my closet. <laughs> I threw it on. I'm not wearing pants. Um, do you prefer me vertical or horizontal? Does it matter? It really doesn't matter. Whatever is best to you. I've done them, I've done them both ways. Honestly, whatever's uh, more comfortable well, for you. You know, probably. Yeah, that's probably better. Okay. There you go. Yeah, we'll do that. You, know, you know this way better than me. You know, you know about angles and... <laughs> and <that. laughs> <laughs> no, I, I looked at the professionals for that. So I'm just gonna, you know, I don't really need to put on makeup because I have, this is the most, this is the biggest thing I have going on today, um, <laughs> which is a big thing, period. I don't mean to take away from that. No, no, saying, please, please. It's fine. I, just mean, I was I really it. looking forward to, I was like, oh, wow, this is great. I have an excuse to put on makeup. Um, and so I- But was, not pants, apparently. But no, <laughs> well, I'll use any excuse not to put on pants. <laughs> I'll use any excuse to put on makeup and any excuse to keep my pants off. So, <laughs> I, you know, since I already planned on putting makeup on today, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do my makeup while we're doing this. And I love this. I love this. Then, is the first. I'm all about firsts. You so. know, so now people can, you know, if anyone's interested, they can see the, you know, how it all, how it all happens. Like so. a tutorial, like a little makeup tutorial at the same time here. This is amazing. I, I might learn a few things. Uh, well, you know, here's one thing. And this is something that even people who don't wear makeup 
guys or girls or anything in between um there and this i'm not being paid for this i in fact i don't get paid for any of this so i'll just <laughs> say that right there um i'll just tell you some of the things that i realized so this is something called thrive cosmetics thrive um, Right. I feel like my yeah. wife uses, maybe uses she something. Does. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. They advertise all over Instagram. And so I have been, uh, I have a little bit of an insomnia issue. And what I've realized is that um, sometimes when I'm, when I'm having an insomniatic and, and, and when I'm, when I'm dealing with my insomnia in the middle of the night, I'll start scrolling through Instagram, which is the worst thing you can do if you can't sleep. Totally, totally. It's it's like, oh no, I'm on fire. <laughs> Somebody light a match. You know, it's the worst thing you can do. But I end up buying things in the middle of the night at like three in the morning when I can't <laughs> sleep. And then I forget. And then they show up. And my husband's like, What what did you order? What is it? And I'm like, I have no idea. And that's the problem with like <sighs> Apple Wallet and all this. Yes, I know. Yeah. It used to be where at least you had to get up, go get your wallet, you know, punch in your. And, and during that time, that other little person on your shoulder had the ability to go, hey, you don't really need this. That's not really something that's going to help your life. However, this thing, this is their brilliant eye brightener. And I swear this thing is like, um, it is very necessary because it just kind of like brightens up your eyes. And I noticed that when I put this on, I just look like I've had a little bit more sleep than I have. So, yeah. Do, do you ever, do you ever like put on your own makeup for any like acting gigs or anything like that? Do you ever sort of apply that stuff yourself? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So when i'm actually working they thankfully hire professionals to do it of course it. of course yeah. but like i mean obviously for auditions um i always do my own makeup i mean because it's also to get a professional makeup artist to come to the house and do your makeup which i will do for events like if yeah. i'm gonna be on a red carpet I, um, if anybody wants to do a, a deep dive and has nothing better to do with their time, you will definitely be able to see the red carpets where I decided to do my own makeup because <laughs> I look cracked out of my mind. <laughs> like, I mean, my face is like one, it's, it's all, I mean, I, I, I've gotten accused of having plastic, like really bad, I've, I've gotten accused of having plastic surgery, but even worse than that. I haven't had plastic surgery, um, but even worse than that, really bad plastic <laughs> surgery. <laughs> so like, people are like, God, who's her surgeon? This is terrible. And I'm like, no, I haven't done anything. I just don't know how to do my own makeup when it comes right. to, you know. So, um, you know, because I'll just be like, I don't know. I need to put on foundation. Blech. Yeah. You know, I just plop it on. But uh, so for, so I, I learned then if I'm going to, do a red carpet i gotta shell out the cash which is like 500 bucks you know for, that's a lot it's a lot um you know but, but worth it i'm sure in the end right well, like the what you photos get last forever yeah, and, that's true you know, if i can show well here's here's a photo where i looked cracked out of my mind with really bad plastic surgery 
But the very next week, here's me looking like a presentable human being with proper <laughs> facial dimensions. That's because someone professional did it. But yeah, for, uh, for my own stuff. And see, with, like my hair, I'm not a natural blonde, as you can tell from my, uh, my, my, my COVID coloring. <laughs> I haven't gotten my hair colored in like, what, four months? Something like wow. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't care. I, I, you know what? I started going gray when I was 24. Um, which is kind of a funny story how I discovered that. And the reason why I know that that was when I first had my grays, I was doing this commercial for this company called partypoker.com. I got Yeah, I know Party Poker. I know that uh, site. Right. So there was this commercial. You've, you may have seen it because they played it ad nauseum. Like it was played <laughs> all, all the time. But it was a buyout. And so I didn't get any residuals. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you must be making killing. I'm like, no, I made $150 and I got insulted. So they were lighting me. And the guy, uh, one, of the, one of the lighting guys was climbing on this ladder above me to, you know, light, like put some lights on the back. And he looked down and he goes, wow, you have a lot of gray hair. And I was like, are you? Who is this guy, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, you know, there are the, those are the times when silence is golden. <laughs> you just don't need to. I'm sure I'll figure it out on my own if I don't already know that I have gray hair. But I, And I remember I was 24 when I did that commercial. So I was like, all right, well, you know. So uh, gray hair doesn't bother. In fact, I would love to grow it out. But my um, the after consulting with my uh, manager and several casting directors, they were like, well, unless you want to start playing grandmas, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you don't have any wrinkles um, because it, it, you'll definitely age yourself there. So yeah, but uh, we kind of jumped right into it. Is that okay? That's what I do. This is how I do right. the podcast. I never like three, two, one, go. I just, just a conversation, you know, yeah. and we edit it, right? It's not live, so... Just edit Perfect. it together. So yeah. Now, where where in Texas are you? Are you currently located in Texas, or are you from Texas and you're now an expat somewhere else? No, no. I'm um, I'm from Texas and I'm in Texas right now. I'm in Austin. Uh, specifically. <gasps> oh, beautiful Austin! But oh I grew up God. in the Dallas um, area specifically. Oh, but, yeah. Where in Dallas? Uh, like in um. You know, Hearst, Euless, Bedford, Grapevine, Colleyville. I went to school there. I grew up there. That, yeah, we hilarious. used to have, uh, I used to judge dance competitions at Grapevine High School. They've got a. They really? Got a I went there. I went to Grapevine High School for two years. You to, did. When they, when they, but then they built the new school, uh, Colleyville Heritage. I graduated in 1998. Um, so, yeah. So, I, okay. I, yeah, I, or maybe actually just. I take that back. One year, I went to Grapevine High School one year because that's when they still had Grapevine Junior High. So I did okay. ninth grade, tenth grade at, at Grapevine High School, and then my last two years at the new high school in Colleyville. So I, um, so I graduated high school in '95. I graduated from Huntsville High School, um, and then I went to Kilgore yeah. Junior College, which was because of the dance team there, the Rangerettes. And I was a, I was on the dance team, and then I transferred to North Texas in Denton, which yep. you know not UNT. that far from Grapevine. Yeah, yeah, I know UNT and very. So, I lived in Denton. I know, I know it very well. 
Oh, did you go to North Texas as well? I didn't, but I played music. And so we oh. were, you know, that was a big place to play music, Denton and Dallas, right? Just in Fort oh, Worth. Was just, yeah. Wait, what was that? Was it, what was that bar? Was it 17? No, 17th Street was in Huntsville. What was the, what was the bar that was like right there on the corner of the campus? You were, I think the Flying Tomato was the pizza place. Um, Oh gosh, there were so many. Anyway, good there was bars. a really cool bar. Yeah. I used to love where they had like an upstairs area and you could look down. And I always like to be on the upstairs area because when I go see live music, um, you know, the the lead singer is like doing his thing and he's like, you know, all charismatic, <laughs> like, come to me and I will sing to you. And he's, you know, he's all about hamming it up. And then the bass player is like, I'm just gonna fucking look cool to me. I'm yeah. just gonna look cool. My and then the like the 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 lead guitarist is always like I'm gonna get by the lead singer because I really want yeah. to be the lead singer but I can't really sing that well but I can play guitar <laughs> so I'm gonna sing with you and all the girls are gonna look at me and you and we're gonna like bang them together like all that stuff I love oh, always um, and I can joke about this because my 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 husband actually is he 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 started a band when he was in New York and they they did they did pretty well uh, and and he was the bass player so i remember being in the audience while the girls would be like look at the bass player he's so cool he's so chill and i'd be like go ahead throw your panties i love it but i my favorite thing and i love this bar i wish i could remember the name of it andy's bar like, maybe andy's what? bar no. andy's bar no not andy's no no i feel like people are gonna watch and they're gonna be like it's the blah blah blah. Uh, something um, beans, something beans. Was that it? Something beans. No, uh, but oh my god, did you ever used to go to the Groovy Mule? Yes, Groovy Mule. Yes, yes, Groovy oh Mule. God, thank God yeah. that we did not have camera phones back then. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, the shenanigans that Groovy Mule. Um, but so <laughs> I, I keep I, I keep getting myself off topic. So I used to love being a upstairs and looking down because the drummers you know like they're in the back nobody cares they've got all this crap all in front of them so people can't really see them you have to really look for the drummer to find the drummer unless it's like tommy lee and he's in a spinning cage and he's doing, or the dude from Def leopard where he's like one arming it like a madman but like the, the drummers, you know, they're the, they're, and I can also say this to my husband, even though he's a bass player, he's also a drummer. Um, he, you know, they, they're just like, they're the rhythm, the heartbeat of the band. And so they just kind of, they're in their own world. And I feel like they are really enjoying the music um, to a greater degree than some of the other members of the band, not saying the other, you know, other uh, instrument players don't love the experience but it's a shared experience which is a which is wonderful to watch like i love yeah. watching people that breathe the same breath as the audience kind of like as a stage performer does like i used i, I love oh, wow. doing, i love doing stage because there are those performances and the the real the only analogy that i've found that really works for those performances when like it really is clicking it's not about oh man i was so great today like you know that's like so <laughs> self-masturbation there's a term that like you use in in uh teachers use called it's like self-masturbatory which masturbatory sort of alludes to being self anyway but whatever so it's a double 
uh, anyway, um, it's the idea that I'm up here performing and as long as it feels good to me, I don't care. It's not that. It's when you go, wow, like I felt like the audience and I were breathing the same breath. Like we were all in the moment together, you know, and that's a really exciting feeling that I feel like the people up front in the band usually feel, but there's something really cool about going to see live music and zoning in on the drummer, especially if the drummer is just like in his own world. So you just brought me back to my I love that. live music I days at North Texas. I love that. I love that and, analogy of breathing the same breath. I love that. That is so yeah. cool. Um, and speaking of North Texas and musicians, um, so I have this, so a friend of mine, I was living in New York, and a friend of mine who uh, it was sort of more of an acquaintance, um, but he was very involved in politics and very involved in like uh, nonprofits and had a ton of money and was always like, you know, part of these really cool, uh, you know, philanthropic endeavors. And one day I get a text from him and he said, hey, are you busy tonight? Any chance you can meet me? um at this event at like the hilton or something um it's for the clinton global foundation um and bill clinton's going to be there now this is uh like back in 2000 and something and i know i like you know bill clinton can be a very polarizing name so let's just take the <laughs> politics out of it um but like you know it's, it's pretty cool to meet someone who was once the president of the united states like, regardless of what your politics are yeah um and and I was also like, wow, well, if he's going to be there, there's also probably going to be some other amazing people there, you know, because it's for the foundation. So I go, and of course, I'm running late. Shocker. It's a bad habit of mine. I'm running late. And so the event is already going on. Like it's at like in the, the top level of the, of the hotel, you get out the elevator and then you go around the corner and then uh, there's a long hallway. And at the end of the hallway is a check-in desk. And then behind that check-in desk are the doors to the actual event. So I'm running late and I run around the corner and I check in, Aaron Cummings, hi, blah, 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 um, guest of so-and-so. And then I see that there's a few people to my, like off to the side. And one of them is Joy Behar from The View. I, lo so I love that show. I actually love that show. <laughs> Do you? Enough. Yes. I, you know what? I, I, I used to watch it back in the day because I always loved their hot topics when they would just like yeah. go at each other. Um, not saying that I love like watching women argue. I, I it's not about <laughs> that, but it's, I, I love watching people who are very fiercely connected to their opinions. Yeah. Uh, challenge one another's opinions yep. in a way that doesn't resort to name calling and viciousness. Yep. That's yeah. what I really like. I like when yeah. smart people challenge other smart people. Um, so I, so I finished checking in and I'm about to walk in through the double doors and join the party. And I noticed Joy Behar is just staring at me and I'm like, can I fucking help you? Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, I was like, Oh, hi. <laughs> you know, I, Be nice, Aaron. Be nice. You know? And I was like, hi. And she said, you look very familiar. What are you? Wh who, who, who are you? And I was like, oh, I, we don't know. We haven't met. My name's Erin Cummings. She goes, what do you do? And I said, I'm an actress. And she was like, oh, well, maybe I recognize you. I was like, I don't know. So, so we're, like, we're, we're making small talk. 
Um, cause I do get that a lot that people are like, Oh, you look really familiar. And the ego side of me would love to think, Oh, maybe they saw me as prostitute number one on Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, <laughs> but I know that the reality is that I have like, I, I have very, very similar features. And so my entire life, even before I was an actor, people would stop me and be like, oh my God, you look exactly like my cousin or my friend or whatever. So I know that I just have a very, similar face and usually that's what it is i never assume that anybody recognizes me from anything and then when someone goes oh my god no you were in blah 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 um then i get excited because i'm like oh of course like, okay cool um yeah. i didn't force it upon you no i'm an actor don't yeah you <laughs> me? don't you know who i am you know i don't have to do that because i just i hate that but so sitting there chatting with joy behar and like a couple of other people and then all of a sudden, everybody just kind of like, they're, like you can feel like the butts clenching in the room. And I'm like, what just happened? And I look behind me and Bill Clinton has entered the hallway. And so I was like, yes, finally, my, wow. my partiness has paid off because <laughs> the entire party is waiting for him to arrive. And he and Joy are like, oh, hey, girl. Oh, hey, Bill. How are you doing? Hugs, hugs, kisses, kisses. Everybody's. And so I'm just like standing there next to him, like, you know, kind of like deer in headlights going, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I don't know what's proper protocol. Am I supposed to like shake hands? Am I supposed to say Mr. President because you're not the president anymore? Like, I, don't, I just, I don't know what to do. So I do nothing. And then he like stops and he looks at me and he goes, well, hello. I don't think that we've met. And I was like, oh, no, we haven't. Hi, uh, my name's Aaron Cummings. And he said, well, hello, I'm Bill Clinton. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, so like, as we're take as we're like, I'm shaking hands, I noticed this woman is like, snap, 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 snapping all these photos. And then, he, um, and then I said, you know, Mr. Clinton, I would be remit. I said, I promised my 19 year old self that if I ever had the opportunity to meet you, I would share this story with you. Um, I was a member of a dance team in Texas called the Kilgore College Rangerettes. And he goes, I know them. And I said, I know that you do because when you were up for reelection, you came to speak at Tyler and we were invited to perform, which I think is so funny that the Tyler Apache Bells were not invited to perform and they were in Tyler. They were like, yeah, thanks Apache Bellies. We'll take the Rangerettes. We're, we're bringing in outside help <laughs> here. Yeah. The big guns. <laughs> the big no guns. offense to my Apache yeah. Bell sisters. It's all love. You guys call us the Ranchiettes. We call you the Apache Bellies. It's all love. That's Texas uh, competition, right? Just our spirit of oh, being competitive. Oh, the big rivalry, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I said, you know, you got up on stage and you said, I would have traveled all the way to Tyler, Texas, just to see the Kilgore College Rangerettes. And I said, you have to know, Mr. President, that you made 70 young women very happy that day, which I now realize that I probably should have worded <laughs> that a little differently. But... <laughs> <laughs> um he you know he immediately started blushing and he said wow that is so nice that you remembered that thank you so much for sharing that blah 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 so then you know like i feel like oh that's super cool i had my moment um you know my one-on-one -on -one with a with a former president 
And so we went into the party and now I'm like meeting all these people. I met uh, Gina Davis because she has the oh, Gina Davis man. Institute on Gender e Equity and Media. And I had an incredible conversation with her about how I, as an actor, as not the lead actor of a show, not the producer of a show, but like, how can I help encourage gender equity? And she told me a really great tip. She said, you know, mm. she said, think about all the crowd scenes. She goes, yeah, you may not, if you're not the lead actor or the director or the producer, you may not have the ability to, um, you know, do casting choices, but you can influence the, the choices of other people. So let's say the second AD, the person who's in charge of, um, you know, placing background actors. She said, look at any big crowd that you are in. When you're in a restaurant and you look around, don't you see that at minimum 50% of the people in the crowd are women? And I said, yeah. And she goes, right. But if you look on television, you'll notice that most of the crowd is usually men. She said, so you can suggest to the second AD, hey, you know, let's ha have some more women in this crowd. There's not a lot of women in this crowd. Because a lot of times people just don't even think about it. And then years later, I was able to use what she said in a different way. I was doing a movie up in Seattle and um, we were in a classroom and it was like, a, you know, all the parents were coming to watch their kids do this presentation. And I noticed that there was, um, you know, there were a lot of white kids in the class and there was um, a little black girl um, in the class. And I noticed that as they were placing all of the parents, I, w I was just watching the little black girl. And I noticed that she kept looking around at the parents. There were no white, I mean, there were no black adults in the room. Oh, wow. And I noticed that I was like, she's looking for who her parents might be. And she's realizing, even though she's a background actor, even though she doesn't have any lines, even though she, um, you know, even though the scene is not about her character, she's realizing in that moment that her character's parents didn't show up. And, wow. I, and then she, as a young girl, is feeling that feeling of, my parents didn't show up for me. And so they were just placing it. We, we were then gonna like break for lunch or something. And so I went up to the second AD and I said, hey, do we have any, um, uh, do we have any black adults that are background actors? And he said, no, we, we, we don't. And I said, do we have any black members of the crew that are not gonna be essential, that are not gonna be like on the camera, yeah. you know, that could maybe step in? because all the white kids and the Asian kids have parents. The little black girl doesn't have any parents. And he was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about it. And that's the thing is that we're in this time where there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, people are talking about gender equality and racial equality and all these things. And it's, and, and you know, it is up to all of us it is up to me as a white actress to look in the room and realize that the little black girl doesn't have parents representing her. And to go, no, 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 no. Your parents showed up today, sweetheart. Your parents are proud of you. And I'm telling you what, they asked like a couple of the crew people, like there was a, a, a black man, um, it was a black man they, they, uh, that 
um, I be, there were the women who, the black women who were working on the crew that day were essential to like, they were working makeup or whatever. Um, and I think one was, uh, one woman was part of the sound department. So they just could not do it. Yeah. But when she saw, sorry, I just had a phone call come in. When she saw her character's dad walk in and stand there and he looked at her and he kind of gave her like a little wink, like, I got you, man, the pride that she felt. And it was like such a great lesson for how in this time, like we all need to be aware, you know, it's not enough to just be nice. It's not enough to just, you know, treat people equally. It's like, we got to, we, you know, because of this, we got to look out for everybody. And if we see something that also it was such an easy fix, it wasn't like I was like, excuse me, this set is racist. You're all <laughs> fucking racist. And you, I'm not, I'm going to write a letter to the Hollywood. It wasn't like that. It was just yeah. like, oh, hey, I just noticed this. And you may not have realized it because you're super busy. But, you know, what if we just did this? Problem solved, you know? Yeah but it created an, an environment where this little girl felt like she was not only seen, but she had a story. She had a family. And so I really have to give credit to Gina Davis for just like putting that in my head that like, no, I have the power to say something. So anyway, so that was happening uh, wow. at a certain point at the party. I'm like talking to people, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I see that same thing. Everybody just like, you know, the butts clench, everybody like, uh, you know, and, and I realized that Bill Clinton is sort of like, you know, moving through the room and people are tracking him. And it's so funny when you're at an event where there's like, where everybody's kind of, you know, got their own level of importance, wherever that is. But then there's somebody that's like the person. Yeah. Because you'll be having a conversation with someone and they're looking at you and then all of a sudden their eyes just sort of like track and you, it's like, you don't blame them for it. You get it. You're like, yeah, like who doesn't, you know, and, and, and there is something really charismatic and uh, um, exciting about people who have reached a certain level of success, whether it's, you know, Tiger Woods or, you know, Larry Bird or um, Helen Mirren or, you know, a president, whatever it is, there is something like, what is that it factor that you have that got you there, you know? And so I see everybody's eyes just kind of looking around and he's getting closer and closer. And I can tell because all the eyes are getting bigger and bigger and they're all kind of like leaning leaning in like oh are you coming to talk to me are you coming to talk to me and then he sees me and he goes you i've been looking everywhere for you and i was like you have and all of a sudden <laughs> all the eyes around me are like who is this who is this person that bill clinton's been looking for and so i said you have and he goes yes do you know he goes you said that you're you grew up you you're from east texas right and i said yes that's true and he said do you know about the University of North Texas or that he called it North Texas State because that's what it was before. And I said, yes, that's my alma mater. I was on the dance team. I, I went to school there. And he said, 
that I almost went to North Texas. They have a great jazz band. I get the one o'clock jazz band. I know yeah. well. I used to watch them perform. And I said, oh, wow, I didn't know that you were a musician. What instrument did you play? And I'm telling you, <laughs> the air sucked out of the room. Everyone was horrified. <gasps> How dare you not know? And he looked at me and he goes, the saxophone? And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, obviously the saxophone. It was like the big thing. He went on so, like the Tonight Show and played the saxophone. Oh, yeah. and, 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 I, and I was just, and I mean, <laughs> hey, leave it to me to take a fucking president down a notch on the ego scale. But I was like, <laughs> oh, what instrument? Like just so, you know. Um, I love so, it. But, what ha but also I noticed that the photographer was still, you know, following him around. And so I went up to her and I said, I just want to say thank you for capturing those photos. I don't know if there's any way that I could ever get a copy of one, but I just think it's really wonderful what you do and that you capture all of these behind the scenes moments. And she stopped and she said, can I tell you that I have been photographing a lot of people and I photographed a lot of presidents and not one person has that didn't have to say thank you has ever come up and said thank you. She goes, what's your email address? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the photos. And so she sent me all these photos of like, you know, me and a president. And and so that's I, I think that it's it was a great lesson um, also in saying thank you, not because you're going to get something out of it. But because she told, like, no one ever said thank you. Yeah. They just, just said, well, yeah. that's your job. And yes, I know that's your job. But, you know, as an actor, when I do a performance and we get a round of applause at the end of the play, that's our thank you. That's, hey, we appreciate what you do. And so I try to remember that everybody even if they're just doing what they're supposed to do everybody likes being being appreciated everybody likes being told thank you yes you know yes. and so i try to i try to remember that especially when i'm at places where people are often um uh perceived as being invisible like when you're checking out at the grocery store we're all like okay i got every did i get everything i needed blah 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 and then they're just like on to the next in their head you know think you know, paper or plastic did i bring my own bags why didn't i bring my own bags do i need some more like all that stuff but like how often do people just stop and look in the eyes of the of the person checking them out and say hey how's your day going you know or did you just get here Are you at the end of your shift any big plans for tonight like I know that people don't like small talk all the time, but considering how, and, and nine times out of 10, it makes me so sad, but nine times out of 10 when I do that with someone working at the grocery store, they'll be like, you know what? It, people have been kind of not so nice today. Yeah. But, but, and so if you get to be the one person that breaks that up, that goes, well, you know what? I'm really sorry that, you know, you haven't had such a great day, but I hope that the rest of your day gets better. And I really appreciate you work, especially now. I really appreciate you working. You know, are are those the people working those essential jobs? Uh, really, you know, in just in general, they get so uh, taken advantage of. Whether it's the you know the the 
gentlemen, usually gentlemen, uh, who are driving the sanitation trucks or, you know, the people, whatever it is. It's like, um, if I can, you know, impart anything today, I, I would love to just say, hey, let's all just try to be a little nice. You know, and I'm the biggest bitch on the planet. Like, I love being rude to people, but only if they deserve it. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> That's I'll, such a Texas way to be, to be honest with you. That I'll, is. I'll fucking rip your aorta out in a heartbeat. <laughs> but, you know, if you're a nice person, I'm, I'm not going to, I'll be, I'll be nice to you. So, yeah, so let's all just try to be nice to each other. But, uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my, uh, uh, North Texas gal lost in New York story meeting a president. <laughs> that's a great story. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's oh, a great thank story. you. Thank yeah. you. So what have, um, what, what have you been doing during the pandemic? First of all, I want to say, um, you know, the, the reason that we missed, you know, last week's, um, you know, recording, I just want to uh, express my condolences, uh, to you thank as you. far as, you know, for Nick and, uh, whatnot. Um, you know, just devastating. And, uh, you know, just so sorry that, uh, you know, that that happened, of course, I've been following it myself. Yeah. And um, yeah, again, that you just have to go through all that. So, you know, uh, yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing that. Thank you for your understanding last week. Um, I mean, of course, you know, and for people who, who don't know the whole story, um, you know, you, you may have read in the news or seen it on TV. Um, Nick Cordero, uh, Tony nominated, brilliant Broadway actor, uh, who was 41 with no pre-existing conditions, had been in the ICU with COVID-related, uh, because of COVID. And then um, he passed away last Sunday, July 5th. You know, um, <clears throat> Nick and I met, I was living in Detroit, shooting a TV series for ABC called Detroit 187. And yeah. I love musicals. I mean, I, I just, you you have people like, singing in the rain and tap dancing and you know crying out their pain i'm in i love the dancing i love the singing i love all of it and so when um alicia cohen Alyssa cohen who works at the fisher theater in detroit reached out to our cast you know we, we got this opportunity an invitation hey rock of ages is touring and they're going to be coming to the fisher theater does anybody want to you know we'd love to coordinate a cast meet and greet and you know you can see the show well as it turns out because i'm a loser and i don't have a life i was the only person in the cast who didn't have plans that night <laughs> like everybody else is like i have a hot date i'm like yeah. i'm gonna stay home and watch reruns so um so i went and i was super excited and i met the cast including constantine maroulis who was playing the lead the lead role in that uh, in that tour and i met nick and you know the show was phenomenal i had so much fun i was dancing and you know in the aisles it was just such a great show to watch and they and then i hung out with the cast afterwards and they were like oh you should you know uh hang out with us monday night Every, you know monday night we're dark which in the theater world means we don't have a show that day. And so we always like to go, you know, to some local bar that has, you know, sing and whatever. And so I went out with that, with, with the whole cast that Monday night and Nick was trying to get me to come on stage and sing. And I was like, and my greatest fear besides spiders, my greatest fear is singing in public. Like I break out into a sweat. I start wow. shaking. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't 
uh, ad lib a half hour speech to 200 people, no problem. I mean, I used to teach dance camps for a sea of 900 girls and I would be on a platform with a megaphone with two teachers on either side of me on platforms and I could do that no problem. But for some reason, singing in public, even singing, I mean, I wouldn't even sing in front of my husband um, unless, <laughs> unless I'm like really annoying him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like our, like he always, we, we, we binge the office. And so oh, yeah. every time we've been to the office, it used to drive him crazy. And then I said to him, one day I'm going to be dead and the office is going to come on and you're going to start crying because you miss me doing it. <laughs> and so now he makes me do it every time where it goes, <sighs> wee, wee, wee. And I, <laughs> so, so like every, now when you watch the office, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The music oh, will go, wee, wee, and you'll yeah. have to sit in your head and be like, stand there. <laughs> um, but Nick was like, one day I'm going to get you to sing karaoke. And I was like, over my, over my dead body. <laughs> so that, but we, you know, we, you know, hung out, we got to know each other. He was super cool, super friendly, really liked him. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my mom was calling. And, uh, and then we just sort of like stayed in touch and through the next 10 years and you know he would see me on tv and be like oh my god i just saw you on this thing and i'd be like oh my god i just saw you on the tonys and the, you know so we kind of had like one of those friendships that's like oh yeah we know each other but we don't hang out all the time sure. and then um i also became good friends with a guy named michael maddox who was the guitarist for the show and he and i stayed in touch a bit more than nick did and so when rock of ages came out here uh, they had their opening night and Maddox invited Tom and I and went to see the show and Nick was performing and, um, and I had told Tom, my husband about Nick. And so he knew about Nick and after the show, he was like, God, he's so incredible. And, you know, I introduced them and the, we were all supposed to have this big rock of ages taco party at our house. Cause <laughs> my husband and I love to have taco parties. They're the best. Yeah. I feel like this is a thing that you would enjoy doing in Texas as well. You know, you just like, you get all the tor tortillas, you know, you put them in the little warmer and then you have like the bowl of chicken and the bowl of meat, uh, beef, and you have all your little bowls that people love interactive dinners. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, so we were going to do that. And then Nick had to cancel at the last minute uh, because his son Elvis was sick. And then, um, you know, so we ended up not doing it. We were like, oh, well, let's just push it. So not that long after, maybe it was like a couple weeks later, um, Maddox calls me and he said, so I got some really crazy news. Nick, Nick contracted COVID. And this was like March. Uh, oh, end wow. Of March. And so this is in the very beginning. I mean, yeah. this, is when, this is when we didn't know that it was an airborne illness and people were only being told to wash their hands 50,000 times a day. And we didn't realize how important masks were. You know, we didn't know shit back then about yeah. this disease. And so he said, yeah, he, you know, he's in a coma and <clears throat> they had to put him on a ventilator. And so, you know, his wife is here with their baby and um, I just wanted to let you know. And I said, okay, we got to do something. We got to help her out. Like, can I go over there and like do her dishes or do her laundry? You know, like, like a single mom, she needs some help. 
And what we ended up doing was we started uh, going over there every day, Tom and I, and then Maddox and his wife, Zoe, would take turns walking Elvis, just so that, you know, Amanda could have like a day um, or an hour to, you know, shower or whatever. And so that went on. And I remember like it was, he was in the coma for, it was like the second week and it was a Thursday and Amanda was really excited. And she said, uh, they're going to pull him out of the coma on Sunday. His oxygen levels are doing really well. And we were super excited. And Tom and I had actually been working on a video for him. We contacted a ton of his friends and family and had them all record like little 30 second. Hey, welcome back, Nick. You know, great to see you, buddy. You know, like what they would say to him if they were to visit him in the hospital. And, you know, we edited it together and Tom said it to music. It was really cool. And so we were like, oh, we got to hurry up and do the video, get it ready for him on Sunday. And then the very next day, Maddox called and said, like, we, shit's gone crazy. He got an infection in his lungs and then the infection spread to his heart, which we now realize that, you know, we, we thought, everybody thought that COVID was a respiratory disease. We now know that it's not, it's a vascular disease it destroys the lining of blood vessels and it causes inflammation of organs like the lungs, the heart, the kidneys. And yes, it starts in the lungs, which is why we all thought it was a respiratory illness, but that inflammation caused infections. And then because of the infections that, you know, kind of took them on a downhill slope And so they had to put him on what's called an ECMO machine, which is a life support machine. But for someone so young, like I think, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but had he been much older, they may not have taken such a drastic step. But because he was so young and otherwise completely healthy, they were like, we're going to put him on an ECMO machine and that will do the heavy lifting for his body so that he can recover from the infection. Well, then the ECMO machine also has really thick tubes and they noticed a discoloration in his toes and his right foot. Well, we now know that, you know, there's this thing, COVID toes, because it's a vascular thing, you know, it causes uh, strokes and clotting and things. They were able to do a scan and they saw that he had clots in his right leg now this had been going on for a while because you know like he wasn't getting up and walking around going ow my right foot it hurts yeah they were basing this on what they could see from the outside so you know by the time you see something on the outside all hell has broken loose on the inside so when they noticed that he had on the scan that he had clots they went to remove the clots and they opened his leg up and there were just like so many clots And my sister-in-law, Tom's sister, is um, an infectious diseases doctor at Penn. And she said, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. She said, we will open someone up and we will see clots forming in real time. Like, like, like something out of a horror movie. She's like, you've never seen anything like this. And so I knew way back then that this disease was way worse than even like, we were commonly thinking of it. And so, um, that, uh, so, so all that happened and then, you know, they had to amputate his leg because of the incredible amount of clotting. 
Um, and then, you know, really it became sort of like this one step forward, three steps back thing where he would be having a, an okay time. Like he wouldn't have anything major happen. And then all of a sudden his blood pressure would skyrocket. And then um, he, or, uh, and, and, and I'm not speaking out of turn on this, everything that I, I mean, there are things obviously that share were shared with us because we were seeing Amanda every day, but I'm sharing only things that she shared on her social media. But you know, it was a really, you know, this went on for like three months. I mean, he went into the ICU on April 1st and he passed away on July 5th. So he was in the ICU for almost a hundred days. And, wow. you know, uh, we had gotten, there were four times that we got the call of he's not going to make it through the night. And there was the dancing and the praying and the singing and like, I mean, and, and the, the bargaining of like, and I remember one time on one of the calls, I said, I, I, I put on, we had this playlist. There's like a Facebook group of us who all, you know, are friends with Nick and somebody made a Spotify list of songs that were like kind of inspired by, you know, in, inspired by Nick to put on the playlist. And um, if have you seen Rock of Ages? Yeah, well, not the not the musical. I, I mean, I, cheesily, I saw the movie only. Oh, I mean, that's sorry. It. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I, yeah. I hate to even say that. No, it's okay. It's okay. Even they will even make fun of the movie. If yeah. <laughs> but um, the big finale number is Don't Stop Believing. And so I was in this moment where I was just like shrieking with pain and like bullets of tears raining down my face. And I put on the Spotify playlist and the first song that came on was Don't Stop Believing. And I, my neighbors must have, like, like their windows must have shattered because I was belting this song out and I was like doing it through my rage and through my tears and, you know, the cats were running upstairs. They were so terrified. And, and I just said, Nick, I don't know where you are right now. And I don't know if you're going to live to see it, but. I'm going to learn how to sing for you. I made you a promise 10 years ago that I would learn how to sing. And no matter how this plays out, I'm going to sing one day and I'm going to sing karaoke for you. And so I recently started taking singing lessons, but, um, uh, which is fucking scary, but, um, I, <laughs> I bet. you know, I think that the, the, the pain for me that I felt was not just, you know, for losing Nick, because as I said, you know, we had kind of drifted apart and he wasn't a part of my day to day. So I hate to say, oh my God, my great loss. The pain that I really felt was so much for this family that I, that Tom and I had grown to know and love. And, you know, we saw Elvis grow from like this little baby to now, you know, he's, he's got his mom and dad's long legs and it's summertime. So he's got this gorgeous tan, which is from his dad. And he's now running around and, you know, we're chasing after him. And, you know, his dad wasn't there to see his first steps except for on FaceTime. And, you know, we had a drive-by birthday uh, and Amanda encouraged people to like dress up in fifties theme. So I got my 
lazy ass up at like 8.30 in the morning and I was like, lashes, red lipstick, ponytail, cat eye glasses. <laughs> and I was like, Tom, we got to dress up in character. We drove up blasting Elvis music, you know, for his drive-by birthday. And, you know, um, it, it's just, I, my heart hurts for all of the, uh, all of the incredible things that, um, I believe he will witness from wherever he is, but that Amanda and Elvis won't get to share with him and that Elvis will grow up with his, with a father as a myth, as a myth. His father will be a myth to him. He's yeah. too young right now to feel the pain and trauma of losing his father, but he's also too young to have any memories of his father. And so that, you know, in, in a weird way, you know, as much as I fucking loathe social media and, you know, this culture that we're in where every moment has to be captured. I'm also like, God, thank God that every moment can be captured, you know, because now Elvis not only will have photos of his father and videos of his father performing to see what a massive talent he was, but he's also going to have videos of just like, you know, him and his dad and his dad just singing to him and he'll yeah. know, wow, my dad, my, my dad may not be here, but that man fucking loved me, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's, it makes me sad. And then I, I don't know if you saw the news, you know, Kelly Preston yes. just passed away from breast cancer and, you know, being yeah. a breast cancer survivor, warrior, whatever, you know, thriver myself, like it always hits me like a gut punch when I read that someone has died of breast cancer specifically, sure. because I think that, you know, like I remember when I was going through treatment, I had so many people, well-meaning people, well-intentioned, blah, blah, blah. I mean, everybody means well, you know, but they still act like idiots. Um, you know, in everything, people yeah. are always like, well, ah, and then, diarrhea falls out of their mouth and you're like do you realize that you just took a big shit all over me like <laughs> i'm glad you feel better but i'm not yeah sick. totally um, uh you know she i remember so many people would say oh i had a friend who had breast cancer and she's fine now and i thought that that was such an insensitive thing to say because like okay well good for your friend but i have breast cancer right now and I, right now, am in a lot of pain. So, like, that would be like, and the, the, the analogy that I use is, if someone were to say to you, I have the flu, you would never say to them, oh, I know someone that had the flu, and they're fine now. You yeah. would never say that, because they'd be yeah. like, A, what does that have to do with me? And B, obviously. And uh, so, you know, it, it's sort of like that same thing. And so I... I um, uh, you know, I, I have to remind myself that not everyone survives breast cancer and that breast cancer is still one of the leading causes of death amongst women. And yes, oh. men also get breast cancer. You know, it's men are not immune to this. It's just, it's, it is one of the bigger like heart disease and breast cancer are the two biggest, um, you know, causes of death to women. And, uh, and, you know, I'm only alive because of research. You know, this is another thing that I didn't, 
I didn't know about breast cancer before I got it. Everybody looks at it as just like breast cancer is breast cancer, but it's not. There's actually multiple types of breast cancer and they all have different treatments. So there's uh, something called HER2 positive breast cancer, which is the kind that I had, which is basically like if you think about a, a cell that has all these receptors on the side of it, they're these cells, they're these uh, receptors called HER2 receptors. And let's say that, you know, everybody has them in their breast tissue. And let's say the average breast cell has like 20,000 receptors. I would have like 20 million receptors. And so that was what was causing the cancer is uh, when they said, you are overexpressing her too. And I was like, I'm an actress. I overexpress everything. <laughs> they were like, uh, even my cells, like, right? Like, <laughs> right. They were like, are you going to be like this at every appointment? I'm like, yes, prepare <laughs> to be amazed. Um, so uh, yeah, I definitely think that I was one of the more entertaining patients. Um, but there's that, but then there's also, um, estrogen receptor, uh, breast cancer, which is, which means that your estrogen is what's driving the cancer. The estrogen is feeding the cancer. There's progesterone positive breast cancer. There's triple positive breast cancer where you have all three of those things. There's triple negative breast cancer, which is really scary because you don't have any of those things. So they don't really know how to treat it. So they just throw oh, wow. everything at you. Yeah. And so you can't just look at breast cancer, you know, as one disease, it is yeah. many diseases. And thankfully, because of a, an oncologist and researcher named Dr. Dennis Slayman at UCLA, which is where I was treated, he discovered this particular type of breast cancer 20 years ago. And then because of the discovery, he was then able to discover a targeted therapy for it. So this type of breast cancer, 20 years ago, if you got it, you were going to die within a yeah. year, period. There was no treatment. Wow. You could do all the chemo in the world. It, you, yeah. There was no way that you would survive it. Now, if you get diagnosed with HER2-positive breast cancer, boom, 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 you do your chemo, you do Herceptin, which is the treatment, Herceptin and Progetta. And it has like a 98% survival rate. And I forget sometimes, like all the women just like me who have the exact same thing as me, who had to die along the way before this was. And, and so I, it's, you know, Ooh. I, I made a post the other day where I said, uh, yesterday where I said, you know, COVID is not the only thing that's, you know, destroying people's lives right now. It's scary to go out there and go to the doctor, but like we have to keep taking care of ourselves. Yes. Uh, you know, we have to, we have to go to the doctor. We have to get our mammograms. You know, I don't have a prostate, but if I did, I'd get it checked. You know, we have to, you know, keep doing yes. all of the things that we do to look out for ourselves. And also like, I know for me, I am drunk all the time these days like that's my <laughs> that is my i can't deal thing like i i'm i'm probably an alcoholic uh, let's just go ahead and say that you know for tom his thing is pizza he'll just like uh, you know he'll just drown himself in alfredo sauce if if he's feeling bad you know for some people there it's it's cigarettes you know and i'm really trying to i am cognizant of okay do I want a beer right now because I'm having, you know, fried chicken and that's always good with a beer 
or uh, do I want to drink a six pack because I don't want to feel any pain right now? And I think it's important for us all in this moment. I mean, damn, even if you don't know somebody that's dead or dying, no one is immune. No one's having a good day. (laughs) Like, I don't care who you are. If you have kids, your life is fucked right now, you know, especially with like the potential, are they going to go to school? Are they not going to go to school? You know, taking care of kids, you know, and have, and still trying to maintain work. You know, it's a really crazy time. And so I'm trying, in addition to just accepting and understanding that everybody's going through shit right now and being nice to people, I'm also trying to go, okay, how, what are my unhealthy habits that I use as coping mechanisms? Maybe now is a good time for me to like get that in check. What are your coping mechanisms? What are you, what's, what's your go-to? I would say I, I do smoke cigarettes, but I smoke rolled cigarettes. So I roll my own cigarettes. I lived in Europe for a few years and my wife's from Spain and oh, wow. that's how, that's how we smoke. And so I don't smoke very much. Mm-hmm. Um, as like someone that just opens up a pack, right? And smoke, I have to roll individually each one. So, right. but it's still so it my mechanism. It's, it's hard yeah. to chain smoke if you can't just, no, yeah. you don't chain smoke. You, I smoke one, I can have one cigarette for like two hours, right? You just, right. I, just like a few, it's like a pipe. Maybe you just take a few drags mm-hmm. and then set it down and you can come back to it later. And that, that's sort of how I do it. But that is my coping me- mechanism. I don't drink too much. I used to. Uh, but I don't drink too much anymore. Um, but I would say that um, uh, for, in food, I love, I'm a chef. So I love, I love food. You are? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a chef. Um, oh, that's why we're talking about food. We haven't even gotten yeah. around to that. Hello. No, no. I mean, we sort of talk about food and, and not, you know, we talk about everything. Um, but yeah, so I, definitely food is, is something there. But I would say smoking. I hate that I smoke. I hate it. I just, I wish I could stop. Um, I mean, I need to, all right. I wish I could stop. It's all on my, you know, it's all on me. Yeah. So. I mean, we, we, I, I pass no judgment. I mean, you could say that, you know, crack was your coking mechanism. I'd be like, <laughs> Hey man, we all, we all got something. I mean, I'm glad you didn't. Say I'm not that. saying that. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, yeah, I, 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 I pass, I, I pass no judgment. I mean, I, uh, uh, I, as I can say this, I, I've smoked a ton and it was, and even I will say this, um, I, when I went through treatment, there was a period of time where I obviously stopped smoking, but then I went into a deep, deep depression, um, where I didn't want to get better. Like I wanted, yeah. I wanted to actually, I, I was, I, I, I wanted to die. I mean, there's a reason why I have a oh, semicolon wow. in my tattoo. You know, are you familiar with the semicolon? No. What does Uh, that mean exactly? Um, Yeah, I'd I'd heard about it before I got sick and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it didn't apply to me. Um, Like I never understood, I never understood the desire that anybody would have to end their life. Like I was like, man, if life's a bitch, you're not, you're, you're not doing it right. You know, I mean, I had all these like little bumper sticker sayings like, Oh, if you've got good friends, you don't need therapy. Ha ha. Um, and then, you know, and it wasn't until I, and and I thought that I had kind of like gone through some shit and then all of a sudden I went through some shit. Like I was diagnosed with breast cancer two months after our wedding. And then my husband was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer a month after that. 
So we spent our first year of marriage, both of us on chemo together. And that was some shit, especially because I was already at an age where like we knew we wanted kids and it was like shit or get off the pot. I didn't have years to wait to have children. And so I think the hard thing for me wasn't that I thought I was going to die or that I was pissed that I had to lose my hair or that I had to put my career on hold right at, you know, right as like my ship was starting to come in and I was getting job offers. It wasn't that it was, you know, I thought I did everything right. You know, I didn't marry the first, you know, stupid fuck that came along. I waited until I found like, my guy. Yeah. I waited until I was, uh, you know, at an age where I was ready to, to, to be, you know, a family. I did all my partying and my wild, crazy days so that I don't feel as a mom, like I'm missing out on anything. I can really focus on, you know, starting a family. And so the pain of, and I knew, I knew, even people were like, oh, you'll be able to have kids. And I'm like, you don't know what's in my, my uterus. Like, well, why are you saying that? You know, like, hi, what was the, you know, my doctor has taken, a, you know, a tube and shoved it up there. She knows what's going on and she's not so sure that I'm going to have kids. So what makes you think, dude at Starbucks, what makes you think you know what's going on up in there? And so, you know, oh, it's kind of like the same it's that same mentality of, Oh, I had a friend with cancer. She's fine now. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah totally. And yeah. So, um, so, you know, for me, I had, I went into a deep, deep depression and, um, and so the symbolism of the semicolon is a semicolon is a punctuation that's used when a writer considers ending a sentence, but chooses to continue. And for me, there were so many times that I really wanted my sentence to end, that I tried to make my sentence end. I remember saying to Tom when I was going through chemo, like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go through, I don't want, I'd rather, I don't even, like, I don't even have, I don't even know what I have to live for. And what is the point? And I really, and and, uh, these thoughts that I never imagined that I'd ever have, that I never understood why other people have, like, how could you, what do you mean you have nothing to live for? You ungrateful piece of shit. You have so much to live for. But then all of a sudden I was like, I don't have anything to live for. And I can look back and go, you ungrateful piece of shit. I can list a thousand things that you had to live for. How could you ever have thought that? But in the but in that time, and it was a big chunk of time, I gen I really felt like that, and I would just beg Tom. I'd be like, "Just buy me a one way ticket to Mexico. Just let's go to a let's just go to Mexico. Just want to lay on the beach, drink my you know drink my Coronas or whatever, and I just want to drift away. I don't want to fight." I don't want to go to chemo. I don't want to have surgery. I don't want to have to drive radiation every day. I don't want to have to look at myself wasting away. I don't want to like, you know, shit my brains out for three days. I don't want to get nauseous. I don't want to have to, I, I, I don't want any of this to go on. I just want to 
turn the lights out and drift away. And initially he'd be like, no, don't think like that. You got to be positive and blah, 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 blah. And he realized, okay, that is not working. And that is actually making it worse Yeah. because then all my anger and rage would all over him. And I'd sure. be like, you. And yeah. and like, my head would split open and seven demons would crawl out and they'd be like, you're my next meal, Tom. I'm going to take it out on you. God, my poor husband. <laughs> and, um, uh, and he finally, he would go, okay, all right, let's go to Mexico. But how about if we buy the ticket tomorrow? And he would let me sit in that moment and he would let me fantasize about, you know, and, and granted, I, I, I do understand that dying of cancer is not just drifting away. I'm very well aware of that. But, you know, in that moment, that was what gave me some sense of peace. And then the next day would come and we wouldn't buy a ticket to Mexico. And, you know, and, and, I, 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 rem and I, I, rem I have that, that semicolon. As, and I told myself that I would get warrior tattooed on my arm. Um, once I recovered from my double mastectomy and then I also, I'm going to try to figure out how I can show you this without flashing you, <laughs> but, um, so I also have Ripley Ripley, yeah. Ripley on this side. And then I have Sarah tattooed on this side, uh, which is what I've named my new breasts, which is Ellen Ripley from, from Alien and Sarah Connor from Terminator. Because I said, these bad bitches have been through a lot. So Great. they need to be aptly named. Great names. Uh, Great names. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I like the fact that, you know, every once in a while someone will notice that I have a semicolon and they're like, I see your semicolon. And I, it's, Oh my God, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, you know, it's uh, that moment when I connect with people on that level, we don't even have to say anything because we, it's an acknowledgement that we have felt that same pain. And, and I think that um, it's a reminder to me how easily and how quickly one can be put in a state of mind of thinking, I don't have anything to live for and to have compassion for that and not judgment and to empathize with that and to go, you know what, if someone does not feel like they have anything to live for, you know, you can't say, oh, but you're so lucky and oh, your life is so great and look at what you have. It's not about that. It's like, but everybody in my life would be better if I weren't here. It's, that's what the thinking yeah. is. It's yeah. not, oh, but I have this amazing husband. Oh, but I have these amazing parents. It's, yeah, but look at what a burden I am to them. That was my feeling. And so, you know, um, it was, you know, it, it really, I'm so thankful that therapy exists because I realized in that moment you know, why, uh, you know, why a trained professional who's, uh, who understands those feelings, um, can, can, can talk you out of it. 
you know, or not talk you out of it, but help it make, help you make sense of it, you know, cause you're yeah. like having this out of body experience. And, um, um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I think that we're all going through a collective trauma right now. And I, I just hope that, I hope that we're taking care of ourselves and, and, and each other. You know, I, I, so going back to the cigarettes during that time, I started drinking and smoking a lot, like a lot. And obviously a cancer patient smoking cigarettes, like you right. can imagine how like taboo that is. Like, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you can smoke all you want if you don't have sure. cancer, but you yeah. can't be a cancer patient and smoke cigarettes. And I was because I was that self-destructive. Um, but, you know, I just, I think it's important that we all just go, all right, let me just look at what I'm doing. Not judging it, just looking at it and asking myself, why am I, why am I doing this? You know, what's that all about? Um, and now's a great time to do that. Now, now, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine us all collectively as a, as a, as a species ever being in more collective pain than we are right now. Um, so, you know, that's what we yeah. got to do. And thankfully I have some of my dad's venison sausage in the refrigerator that can, uh, <laughs> uh, take the place of cigarettes and booze for me. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to come see it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you got? Venison sausage. Did he, did he, um, he made it? Yes. So really? um, my dad, uh, my parents still live in Huntsville and, oh, here's our shrine to Notre Dame, like all of our <laughs> Notre Dame stuff all over the wall. My husband gets, <laughs> oh, and look at this. This is Ranger at pictures. Can you see that? Wait. Yes. That? <laughs> oh, oh little, little Aaron Cummings as a Ranger at, um, so my, my parents, my dad retired from the airport, um, the airport from the air force in Huntsville, Texas. And, um, he is a hunter and a fisherman. We, my parents live on a, uh, like a cove of the Trinity river and in an area called Lakeland. And, uh, my dad has some land of a friends that he goes and hunts on every once in a while. And he hunts with bow and arrow. Oh, so wow. that's Tom, real hunting. Yeah, so he hunts with bow and arrow. Okay. And, yeah, that's real. Um, that's real hunting right there, uh, bow and yes. arrow. So um, I'm gonna have Tom cook this up for me right afterwards. So um, this is my this is the last of my dad's venison sausage, and you can see all the yummy marbling in there. How good that looks! And he's gonna chop oh, it up. Wow. So my dad. So he hunts with bow and arrow, like I said, and then but also in the off season, he will spread out all the deer feed. In fact, the first time that I brought Tom home, my dad said, uh, all right, Tom, let's hop in the four wheeler. We're going to go fill the, fill the deer feeders. And <laughs> so I was like, get ready, Philly boy. You're about to become a Texan real quick. And yeah. so he uh, hopped on the four wheeler with my dad and we uh, went out into the thing and uh, they put all the sour corn out for the hog traps and filled the deer feeders. Um, and then, uh, this is the problem with living in a condo. <laughs> every trip. Oh, good morning, Joey. Did someone decide to uh, get up? Good morning, baby. 
<laughs> Good morning, baby. <laughs> I didn't even realize that she was back there. She's Look like, at that face. Hey, baby. <laughs> She's so Aww. cute. Um, Daddy's going to take you for a walk. Go downstairs. Find him. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. I'm going to... My, my dogs are my kids, so that's like... Oh, I yes. get it. I get of course. it. So yeah. he... So the, he, feed, he, he controls what the deer feed, what the deer eat in the off-season. Shoots with bow and arrow because he says that um, since um, bow season starts before rifle season does, the deer don't get as scared because they don't hear all the gunshots. Uh, that's smart. And so yeah. they're a little, you know, they're they're not as uh, they're not hiding as much, but also they don't have as much adrenaline pumping through their system, all those fear hormones. And then he loads, you know, he'll load it up on the four wheeler, drive it home dress the deer and then he has a sausage maker and he has a you know he hangs he quarters the deer hangs it in the the uh the back refrigerator for 10 days so that it gets that gamey taste out of it and then for his yeah. sausage um uh he uses the hog intestines from the hog traps as the casing so oh, he makes the smart and everything smart. yeah and then um when he makes the hamburger meat like the venison hamburger meat he mixes it with um brisket yes so that's really juicy and who it's is so this good. guy who is this guy that's like the smart that's like what real pro pro chefs do is mix a little brisket in really hamburgers yes that's like legit I'm surprised oh, wow. you were getting ready to say that. I was thinking you were going to say something else, but no, that's legit. Uh, I bet he puts about, my guess is anywhere from about 15%. That, that's my guess. How about this? I will ask him and I will yeah. report back to you because yeah. um, I'm sure that he would love to hear. He's always looking up his game. So any tips and that's tricks a that pro, you have. That's a pro thing right there is mixing the meat because they provide different they, they cook at different temperatures and they just provide different things during the cooking process as, as opposed to just ground beef right it's right. just it's a, you mix in um yeah you mix in some brisket wow yeah that's pro level right there so that's awesome See, i wish that my dad like my dad loves youtube videos and i wish that he would get into making them because i feel like he could be a youtube star like, it sounds like it. Yeah, he's all four wheeling and you know oh, bow hunting yeah. and, and right. And, like. then, you know, and my dad is also my dad is like we are like the family of one man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, like hand <laughs> me my down. wife right there. That's my wife. Yes. So when I remember there was a um, one of the army bases. My my parents every every Saturday night we would go to Trejo's, which was this Mexican restaurant. Um, just across the bridge in Bossier City or Shreveport, Louisiana, where my dad was stationed at Barksdale. And every Saturday night, we would go to Trejo's. But beforehand, we would have to drive around all the neighborhoods for an hour looking for trash on the side of the road that my dad wanted to pick up so he could, he, so he could upcycle it. And it would drive me crazy. But one of the things that he did was there was a, an army uh, cafeteria that was like getting new, you know, whatever. And so, you know, those big metal cafeteria uh, things that like all the trays sit in. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, like they keep things like they have the cabinets underneath and like, you know. 
my, they were throwing one of those away. My dad said, can I have this? They were like, sure. So he took it and he retrofitted it or whatever the term is to where he has it out on the boat dock. And so when he goes fishing, he'll come back in and right there, he'll like be able to clean all the fish yeah. he has like and and all of the um and all the fish droppings like all the skin and the bones and everything he's able to just whoosh it right back into the lake and it's just, and it's such a cool process That's like, smart yeah all right so it's, so when um so when Tom and I are able to actually get on a plane again and we're going to go to Huntsville you and your wife are invited to take a road trip to come visit us. Wow. You'll stay at my parents' house. My dad will walk you through everything that he does with the fish. We'll take you out wow. to the deer lease. We'll show you all the stuff. You go to the game room and see all the alligator heads and the, wow. I mean, all the crazy animals in the game room. And then you and my dad can trade some stories. And then Tom, me, my mom, and your wife will all enjoy whatever glorious meal you guys want to prepare for. <laughs> that See would how be, I did that? See how I invited you to my amazing. house and then invited you to cook for me? <laughs> Very uh, self-serving I am. Very that happens to me. That happens to me all the time, to be honest with you. I, I love cooking for people, so I, I actually will ask or let me help. Like I feel comfortable doing that you know i i like doing really? it i enjoy it yeah it's a challenge uh, i like bringing flavors together i like when someone eats something i make right and they make a face or a sound or something yeah. that's just so you know that they're just happy they make an emotional connection with right we have such memories with food like food is just so integral so i like making that connection with people like i can have a connection with somebody for a long time, almost, almost infinitely, really just through food. You know, it's, it's very strange. So yeah, I love uh, cooking. Uh, honestly, a lot of my friends are chefs too. So it's sort of you cook, then I'll cook or you make apps. I'll do, you know, this, or I'll do a couple courses. You do a couple courses, um, whatever the case may be. Obviously with COVID that is on hold uh, at the moment. <laughs> uh, none of that. But, but uh, yeah. You can have that collaborative process um, what is your favorite thing? Like not, I mean, obviously you have many favorites, but like in a pinch, if you had to just like, you know, go, Oh my God, I have, I have to make dinner for people tonight. Um, you know, not just my family. Um, I know this dish inside, outside. I don't even have to think about it. I'm, uh, this is the dish that I'm going to make is, do you have like that one go-to? Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I do. Um, I, I more do because I, I guess it's just because I lived in Spain for a few years and I really like the idea of tapas. That, that's the way I will serve dinner a lot, which is just a lot, of small plate, a lot of small plates of different things. So it's not necessarily that, you know, I guess, you know, I ran, I ran my own uh, food truck and restaurant here in Austin that I owned for five years. I just closed it last uh, March. Thank God, actually. I didn't have to do right. it. Right. What amazing pandemic. timing. I mean, it's crazy. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But like, my thing is just, you know, not necessarily a certain dish, but I can take whatever I have and make something with it. Right. So whatever I have mm -hmm. fresh, whatever, I can just open a pantry. I got this, this and this. You know, I'd be great on shows like Chopped or Top Chef. Like, I'm really good at those th th those sort of things. So that would be my yeah. thing. Let's just make something fresh, quick, flavorful, 
and and go with it. Uh, but I can pretty much make a little everything. My mom's from Mexico City, so I grew up with oh, wow. Mexican food like intensely. I used to spend summers in Mexico City with my family in Guadalajara. Um, and so I, I have that sort of food in me, but then I lived in Spain. So I learned like a European Mediterranean style. I grew up in Texas. So, right. There's just a lot of different styles of food here as well. So I'm kind of blessed that way. I even lived in Philly for, uh, three years, I think, um, in Lancaster, oh that, God. that area. So I learned some food over and there. Philly's even got some amazing places to eat. Oh my God. Do they yeah. ever. Tom has brought me back <laughs> there and whether we're going to like, you know, gyms or Pat's to get a cheesesteak or we're yeah. going to uh, <laughs> that, you know, foofy restaurant at Rittenhouse Square where it's all like all courses and wine yeah. pairing, you know, and, and everything in between. Philly's just got such a, uh, an, a an incredible palate. Um, you know, yeah, it does. My, so I jumped on the bread making bandwagon, uh, you know, <laughs> when all this happened. Uh, so I, I bought a sewing machine. I taught myself how to sew and I started making masks. And then I was like, okay, I'm bored with masks. Let me learn how to make some bread. And so there was so much flour in the house that Tom said, um, well, I, he was going through the cabinets and he saw that we had a pasta roller you know like the the attached on Look yeah at her, she's reaching for my hand like are you gonna pet me um <laughs> uh this is what she does like i'll rub her stomach and then i'll stop rubbing and i'll have my hand up she you can't do yeah <laughs> my dog does that too my dog immediately brings the paw up like whoa whoa bring it back yeah. bring yeah. it back hi right? hi, like, hi. What, yeah. what, what did i hire you for you're supposed to be depending my belly but uh he started, he found the, the pasta roller that we got as a wedding present four years ago that was still in the box. Um, and he said, you know, I'm going to sort of try making some pasta. He has, he makes this four cheese ravioli that has, I want to say like mozzarella and provolone and cream cheese and like one other cheese. And, and our next door neighbor is from Rome. And is like, I mean, he oh, wow. was, he, he is Mr. Italiano. And um, I mean, his name is Giorgio. He only drinks oh, yeah. wines. Um, he is very, very Italian and has a lot of that Italian pride. And so I said to him, hey, Giorgio, uh, you know, Tom's making ravioli and we'd love to get your, your thoughts as an Italian. He immediately scoffed. He was like, Tom from Philadelphia is going to make ravioli. Ha, this I have to see. But... <laughs> He said, he said, this, if I had this meal at a restaurant in, uh, in Rome, I would not bat an eyelash. This tastes just like I'm back home. And wow. so, uh, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll maybe, ha I'll make some bread. Tom will make some ravioli. You'll do some tapas. And then you'll be thrilled because it, it's auditory, um, uh, if, if it's auditory um, uh, praise that you enjoy, my mother makes the most um, offensive, orgasmic noises when she eats that I can't enjoy a meal with her. <laughs> like she's very much, I mean, it is so vile for me as a child, a child, to listen to watch my parents eat a really delicious meal because the mm, the moaning the like the facial expressions it's just too much it's too much it is so awful 
That can be me. That can be me eating sometimes. If I get something really good, like tacos al pastor, where they, you know, where they have the the meat on the stick, the trompo, they call it, where they slice it up. Yes. I I can pretty much have an out-of-body experience eating that. Uh, So that that could be me. I would be offended if you did it. It's just when my parents are You're right. Your mom, right? Like... And I'm a pervert. So if anything's even slightly suggestive, I'm there. You're- like I immediately, I have the visual, I, I'm seeing it like a movie and it's just so awful. Um, my, my, my girlfriend, have you, have you spent any time in Detroit by chance? No, I've never even been to Detroit. Um, okay. I would love well, to Detroit go. is actually having like a food renaissance. In fact, I, I yeah, did you're right. A- I have read about that. Uh, you're right. You're right. So yep. I did a TV show called Feed the Beast, which was on AMC for one season. It was with Jim Sturges and David Schwimmer. And they play, um, you know, one David Schwimmer is a widow with a raising a, a, a biracial son by himself. And then Jim Sturges plays an ex-con who just got out of prison. Um, and they decide to open a high-end restaurant in the yeah. Bronx. And um, I, I would be interesting. I don't I even know if you I don't even know if you can find it anywhere, but um, I'd be curious, like from your profession, from your professional opinion, like what you thought of the show, uh, if you got a chance to go back and watch it, like from the food perspective. But I remember there was this one episode where in the script, um, this food critic says, you're opening a, something like you're opening a restaurant in the Bronx. That's like opening a restaurant in Detroit. And I said to him, I went to the writer afterwards privately. And I said, just so you know, Detroit is probably not the right city to use for this because there's a lot of incredible things happening in to the food culture of Detroit right now, you know, restaurants that are opening and, um, and, and and a lot of, you know, a lot of artists who, could no longer afford to live in New York. You know, what was the whole reason why you live in New York is because it was cheap and it was like where the, all the artists go and, you know, you could find it cheap, but that's been decades ago. Now artists are, you know, and then there was a period of time where Detroit was insanely affordable, not so much anymore, but so people started, so a lot of artists would move into Detroit and there was already such a thriving uh, culture there of yummy and incredible flavors and foods and then it just got this influx. Uh, and so he said, okay, I'll look into that. And then he came to me like a few days later and he said, thank you so much because I just, just did a little bit of research and you're right. Like Detroit yeah. is the spot. What city did they use? I'm curious. Like what city could you use to be frank? Um, every city in America that- is like doing great with food. It seems like. I want to say that they basically just like, you know, kicked a dog when it was down like they chose something <laughs> like pittsburgh or totally. like gary indiana yeah and, yeah you know a there city you that's go. already like dude really they still don't have <laughs> running water can you really not use can totally. you not make them the butt of a joke yeah please? you know or at least like you know give them a back end point on this episode for being the butt of your stupid joke but uh <laughs> so um my girlfriend one of my like she's like a sister to me Grace Kiros she's the third generation owner of the original Coney restaurant of Detroit now if you if you if anybody has been spent any time in Michigan in general you'll see Coney Islands everywhere there's like 
Leo's Coney Island and National Coney Island and this Coney Island. It all started in 1917 when Grace Kiros's grandfather, um, who's, you know, he's Greek. So his name was like lo- way longer 27 than consonants. Yeah. Consonants just, and three sorry, vowels. Just, right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he came over and he went, he landed at Ellis, got, you know, went to Ellis Island, couldn't get work in New York, but he heard that there was a lot of work to be had in Detroit, went to Detroit and uh, couldn't get, couldn't get a job, but he started selling hot dogs out of a little cart. And so he had the hot dog that had chili, chopped up sweet onions and mustard. Those were the three ingredients. And because he'd always dreamed of Coney Island, going to Coney Island, uh, he called it American Coney Island. That was this like, you know, young Greek immigrants dream of America. And so he built it and built it and got bigger and bigger and bigger in American Coney Island. And then he invited his brother to come over from Greece. And he said, I will give you the store next door. And because it was on Lafayette Boulevard, they called it Lafayette Coney Island. And then the two brothers left American and Lafayette to their sons who then ran it. And then the Lafayette side sold Lafayette to some random people who knows what it is now, but American is still owned by Grace. In fact, after our wedding uh, at Notre Dame, she had as our like, you know, late night post reception snack, everybody got Coney dogs as they were getting oh, on the wow. road. Oh, wow. But she, uh, That's cool. she has these Coney kits, which you can make Coney's at home. Like she sends the, the Dearborn sausage hot dogs, the buns, uh, a sweet onion. Oh and wow! The, and and that's the, cool. And the, the chili, like their their custom yeah. chili, and so she sent a coney kit to my parents when we were home for Christmas one year. And Patrick, I tell you, <laughs> my mom bites it, and she's like, mm, oh, <laughs> mm, "Oh my goodness!" Oh. And then my dad goes, oh, wow, that just explodes in your mouth. And I'm like, stop it. Stop it. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. I had to get up and leave the table. So when you come to Huntsville and we have dinner Uh. together and my mom starts like writhing and and moaning all over the table and my dad starts making like innocuously and seemingly innocuous, but totally sexual oh. comments. I'm going to have my ear, bo- my ear pods in and I'm just going to be like, don't stop believing. <laughs> I'm going to be like singing. I'd be like, Nick, Nick, take me away. Take me out of here. <laughs> Uh, but that would oh be fun. I would look forward to it. And then we'll go, oh my God, remember when we first met in 2020 and the world was on fire and we never thought <laughs> that we were going to ever get out of that hellhole? And totally. now it's 2021 and life is perfect. Oh God, let's hope that that's right. Let's let's yes. hope that that happens. Yes. Not I mean, I, not, yeah, not going, I got a lot of wood table right here. I will... I will beat it up. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, of course, um, Aaron, I would absolutely love that. My wife would uh, love that. She loves Texas experiences. You know, she loves American experiences. Um, oh, well, you know. she, we'll, we'll take her out on the boat. You know, we'll, we'll show her. My dad may have some pet squirrels at the time or some <laughs> pet doves. 
She's kind of used to, you know, being out in, uh, as we say in Spanish, el campo, like, uh, you know, just being out in land, right? Like she, where she grew up in Spain, her father hunts and, and does all that. In fact, he would, I remember the first time I met her, her parents, my, my, my uh, father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they literally hit her father and walked in the door to the apartment. Now they live in a city, but he walked in the door he had a hair, so like a rabbit, right? A big rabbit. He walked in with the hair into the kitchen. They hung it up above the sink, and him and his wife, my mother-in-law, just immediately took out his pocket knife and just right there in front of me. I just met him. I mean, boom, right there, just just completely, you know. And they worked as a team. You could tell they had done this a million times their whole yeah. life uh, together. And we ate that for dinner, and that was just like Tuesday, you know. It was yeah. like, it was oh crazy. Uh, so she's used to you know, that sort of thing, honestly, more than I am. My, my dad did not bring home things and cut them up and eat them. You know, we, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. So. <laughs> right. My, yeah. That reminds me, my mom said that, like, I don't know if it was the first time that my dad brought her. I think it was the first time that my dad brought her home. And she had me already because uh, I was from her first marriage. And so they walk in the door and my my grandmother said, David, I made your favorite squirrel stew. <laughs> and my, and she's like, Cheryl, come here. And my mom like walks into the kitchen and my grandmother lifts the top of the pot. And my mom, and my grandma, my mom said she saw like little skulls floating. Oh around. my God. And she was like, Oh my God, Aaron and I are going to go elsewhere and have dinner. Um, thank you so much for your hospitality. We are like, we're going to McDonald's or whatever. Not much better, but, uh, but, uh, she said that was the, that was the last time that your grandmother made squirrel stew for your father. Yeah. I mean, they say the flavors in the bones, so I don't know. I'm trying to. You, you know, gotta, you gotta have the bones in there, man. You gotta have the bones in there. I can't imagine seeing the skulls just, you know flowing around that's hilarious that is yes but she's but she's from the bayou like she yeah. grew up on etouffee and jambalaya totally. and for my ninth birthday my grandmother knew i mean thankfully my my birthday is in july my birthday is actually this sunday um, oh wow happy early yeah. birthday thank you um but uh for my ninth birthday my grandmother she said what kind of cake do you want i was spending the summer in lockport louisiana with her and i said i don't want the cake i don't want a cake i just want crabs and so she got me nine crabs in a circle, put a little dollop of icing on each, on the back of each one and put a little candle in. And that was my birthday cake. It was that's, just the, like, that's awesome. I was like a little pig and shit, just little nine-year-old, <laughs> nine-year-old Cookie Cummings eating her, eating her nine crabs all to herself. Nobody else gets it. I love that. That's like, that's a very inventive I don't know if I've heard of a birthday cake like that. I mean, I would consider, you know, like, or whatever, a birthday. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, Aaron. Uh, well, thank you again, um, you know, so much for sharing all these stories and, um, you know, really just, you know, opening yourself up and being vulnerable. I really do um, oh, appreciate you. it. And, you know, I know our listeners are going to just, you know, love all this and really take it in. You had a lot of great, encouraging um inspiring words as well so I, I do thank you for that as well and again just so sorry for you know everything you're going for and and you know my heart goes out to Nick's family um considerably that that's where my thought went to um as well so yeah for sure 
Just well, so thank you so much for giving me a reason to do some makeup today. I don't even know if I finished <laughs> it. I'm like looking in the mirror like, looks oh, great. Like sort of half, on, half on, half on, whatever, who cares? Um, but uh, I really appreciate you continuing to you know use your voice during this time and I, I and and for sharing all of your stories with me and making the connection i always love to you know keep my keep my texas roots firmly planted um yeah. and uh and, and i love talking food and i can't wait to have you and your wife up to the house in huntsville i would and love we would love absolutely we'll go love on that. boat rides we'll you know get some sun up on the dock we'll uh we'll head out to the deer lease and check out all the land and and we'll have some damn good texas food that's awesome yeah i cannot wait and again tell your father great job on the brisket and the burgers i will he'll be Just, so thrilled yeah super thumbs up on that and uh oh, my best to your to your husband as well and just to you guys um you know just staying safe and uh during this time um you know with all the craziness so yeah thank you so much patrick i really appreciate you reaching out and uh having me on the show and um Zoe, <laughs> say bye say bye Zoe. bye zoe All right, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at patrick at texasrealfood.com. And don't forget, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts, you'll you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to the Lone Star Plate. Dot com and you can check us out on youtube if you want to watch it you know we video these now you know on a little webcam here and go to the texas real food youtube channel and you can find it there make sure to follow uh texas real food as well on instagram and facebook subscribe um and if you you know are so inclined please leave us a review anywhere you can you know follow us on spotify or leave a review on apple podcast uh, that would really help us out thanks again for listening really do appreciate it um without you guys we will you know what's the point of doing this so if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better please let us know thanks again be safe out there wash your hands <laughs>